How's it going everybody? Welcome to another edition of Waterfowl 365 presented by BTBN. I am your host Chris Adams. What's going on guys? Another week down. I took a, a week off last week to enjoy Memorial Day. Go out and do all that stuff. It's been raining like crazy here in Missouri every single day. We had the uh, first bit of sunshine here today it was a little bit nice and we're supposed to have some tomorrow so maybe kick off that lake season and do some of that stuff i know that i want to get some calls turned before it gets too hot inside the shop and it's just absolutely miserable so uh got a lot of stuff to do a lot of stuff coming up um did a little call of palooza in between the last two episodes i think might have done one afterwards with uh cole I believe so, whatever. Anyway, um, last year we had this gentleman on, and uh, he had just started turning calls, so now he's got another year under his belt, and uh, he's putting out some really cool stuff. I got, finally got a chance to meet him over at Callapalooza, and uh, super nice guy, he lives a couple hours away in Kansas City, so uh, definitely going to get together a little more often with him. So without any further ado, Mr. Nathan Talley. Nathan, how are we doing tonight, bud? Doing great. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad, man. We were just talking about it before we recorded. It is Friday at 9 o'clock. I just popped a cold beer before hitting the record button. Um, I got Yellowstone keyed up, waiting for us to finish this podcast, because I think I'm skipping shop time. <laughs> I actually just came out to this shop just before this, so I I, I can kind of relate. Like I was putting it off. <laughs> yeah, man. It. Uh, I did it last night. I got home late from work last night at like I don't know seven. I usually go to the gym right afterwards, so I didn't end up going to the shop. Well, then the uh, son had baseball practice, so didn't end up getting in the shop until like ten o'clock last night. And had to get, knew I had to get up at 5 a.m. this morning, so it was like this is going to be a really unproductive hour right now because I just I'm over it today. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you on that. Oh, <laughs> you had to. It's just kind of hard, you know, on top of you know everything else that everybody's got going on. So I mean, it's it's rough sometimes. Well, yeah, especially being summertime, man. The uh, the yeah. kiddos being out of school and stuff. It's like. All the the uh, activities are starting up, and I was mentioning, uh, I was talking about it in the little intro before I called you. Uh, you know, it's getting ready to be a lake season. It hasn't really felt like it here in Missouri yet because it's been monsooning the last entire month. But uh, yeah. man, that's what we do every single weekend is go to the freaking lake, and it's like there's not much time for calls. No, not at all. I, I... I've been, you know, we usually go several times uh, a year also. Uh, my in-laws have a house on Table Rock, and so we're usually down there quite a bit. And, um, you know, I was working on calls just about all the way through Memorial Day weekend, uh, except for, like, the, the last day. I, that went down Monday for a little bit. But, of course, you know, the water was so dang cold, you know, it was kind of pointless even trying to go out on the boat almost. <laughs> Dang, man. See, we're talking about going for the first time tomorrow. And uh, I told her, I was like, it's going to be real cold. Because I don't know if you paid attention to the temperatures. It's been like in the 60s down here in Springfield. I was like, the water is, and there's been a bunch of rain. I was like, the water is not going to be warm. 
she's like, oh, we'll be fine, you know, because she's just a big lakehead and wants to go anyway. But uh, I was like, we're going to freeze. Yeah. Yeah, y'all got to be pretty cool. <laughs> now, um, you freaking, your parent, you said you had family that has that cabin. All right, you went to Missouri State, and you used to live down in Springfield while you are going to Missouri State? Or are you always from up there at least Summit area? Yeah, I, I grew up in, in Harrisonville. Um, I lived down there in Springfield for uh, a couple of years. Um, I, I met my, my wife down there. Her, so her her parents still live down there. They've got a lake house uh, on Table Rock. But yeah, um, and actually, so I went to Missouri State, but I did all my classes to Missouri State after I moved away from Springfield online. Oh, no so, joke? Yeah. Oh, that's what's up, man. So you live down here during uh, doing what then? If you're doing classes online, so I lived down there um, after I got out uh, of the Marines. I lived down there, lived down there for three years, four years, something like that. Um, and I hauled drywall and you know did a couple other things and just kind of hung out down there for a couple of years before I wound up moving back up this way. Yeah. Man, when you were in the Marines, okay, because I was in the Navy, what year were you in? Man, we might have already talked about all this stuff on the last podcast, but it's been a year, so refresh right, my memory. Yeah, been almost exactly a year, actually. Um, yeah, so I was in from 2002 to 2006, and then I, um, I was kind of out for almost a year, and then was on active, active reserve, basically, for like another year and some change. Okay, okay, right on. I was uh, 8 to 12, 08 to 12. When you were in, because you're from, you know, the Missouri area up there, obviously, a little bit more, but uh, when you were in, did you think that you were ever going to move back to this area? To tell you the truth, no, man. I got out to Cali, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. I love it out here. You know, but then... After four years, you know, and after, you know, deploying and everything, I was like, yeah, I guess I'll move back and be closer to family and everything else. And and then, of course, you know, you, you, you wind up, or I wound up marrying, you know, somebody from Missouri also, you know, somebody else that's local, so her parents are here. So, you know, any, um, you know, obviously we're not going to be moving anywhere else, so. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's weird. I did the same thing, man. I was always uh, that person who was like, I cannot wait to get out of freaking Springfield, Missouri and go see stuff. Like my mom, you know, took us on vacations when we were a kid. We used to go to Florida, Texas, you know, the typical family stuff. But I was like, I want to go, you know, see places. And then, uh, you know, being in the Navy, I got really, really fortunate with my naval service that uh, I didn't go to any place that sucked. And I went to 21 countries on deployment, and it was uh, so we were on a ballistic missile cruiser, a uh, defense cruiser. So what oh, yeah. the job of that is is when the Russians, Iranians, whatever, pick your country, decides to shoot nuclear missiles at us, we shoot those down from the ship while they're like, you know, in transport. Right. So this was brand new. We were the first ship in the Navy to have it. So what they sent us out on was, uh, it was like right after they got done putting everything down, I don't know, you know, building out the ship. And uh, they sent us out to all these different countries all over NATO, all the NATO countries. 
and we were going to put on presentations for all of their uh, admirals and freaking secretaries of defenses or whatever, you know, the equivalent is to France, Italy, all that kind of crap. And we were supposed to do a sales presentation, essentially, convincing them to put it on their ships or putting in mobile sites, like, out on their islands and shit. So I was on a destroyer, a, a pre-commissioned destroyer. So it was, they were building it in the shipyards, and I did that for two years. And uh, we finally commissioned. They put it in the water. You know, we got ready for actual Navy service. We uh, That was built in Mississippi, and our home port was in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. So that took two years that I was down there. We got to Norfolk, and I uh, or Norfolk, however people from Virginia want to pronounce it. But uh, I, I got there. It was in November that I got there. I got an apartment with my buddy, like November 15th, went home on Christmas leave, came back the day after Christmas, and the captain called me up to his stateroom and said, hey, you're getting cross-deck transferred to this other ship leaving for deployment in one week. And I was like, okay, well, I just got an apartment. And he was like, uh, well, that sucks, dude. Like, welcome to the military. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, welcome to the military. So, uh, we went on this one, and we went to 21 NATO countries. And, uh, you know, France, Italy, Israel, Greece. Like, all the cool shit. Like, yeah, everything. That's, that's in, awesome, man. Yeah, man. Everything in the history books you want to see. Like, we got a chance to see. And, uh, dude, I had so much fun doing that stuff. But, uh... By the time we came back from deployment, I had like six months left in. I was I already had orders. The option to go to uh, Memphis or Millington, which is just north of Memphis, which is like our head of uh, the naval personnel area, whatever. It assigns like orders and stuff like that so people can transfer. Or to go over to Naples, Italy. And I was like, yeah. So I had like dream orders. I was going to work for an admiral if I went over to Tennessee, or I was going to be in Naples, Italy, doing a, you know, typical Navy crap on shore duty. And uh, I came back home a month before re-enlisting. Came home, started drinking with all my buddies and doing stuff. People that I only I hadn't seen in like a year and a half because of that crazy, hectic, hey, you're getting deployed schedule. And right. I was like, you know what? I called my boss. I was like, hey, because one of my buddies from my first ship had got me the orders because he had transferred to uh, Millington and got me the orders. And I called him. I was like, hey, man, uh, I know you went out on a limb to get me these orders, but uh, I kind of think I want to get the hell out. <laughs> I kind of think I So, and God, dude, it's been almost 10 years. And I'm like, how the hell did I get stuck in Missouri again? <laughs> right. I'm like, oh god, what am I doing here? Like, uh, there's so many other cooler places. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. It, that was like a 10 minute, really long rambling rant I just went on. But I always wondered, like, military guys that are from Missouri come back to Missouri. I'm like, because my little brother, he he lives in Tampa now, and he like always had the ambition to get the hell out, and he stayed out. And you know, I was like, what brings people back? It has to be family, right? Oh, absolutely! You know, I'd, I'd say nine times, probably nine 
nine and a half times if that's possible out of ten. <laughs> it's definitely got to be family. You know, obviously, you know, you're, there's, you know, comforts here in Missouri isn't without, you know, it's, you know, some draws, you know, obviously not as popular as, you know, other states. Um, but it's, you know, and I think most of the time it definitely is family, you know. It, it, you, and you, you get used to and you spend enough time away from family, you know, when, when you're in the service and, and, you know, and going off doing a bunch of stuff and everything, which, you know, is definitely good to get that time away. But, you know, I think even for the most reluctant of us, you know, you, you spend that much time away and you kind of, you know, realize how much exactly it is that you are missing out on, you know, as far as, you know, different events and, you know, worrying about, you know, family members or people passing without spending you know, that much more time with them and stuff like that, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. And it's like, um, I knew that, uh, cause I was dating my practice wife at that time. Um, the first one. <laughs> and, uh, I, I saw all my buddies. Well, I'm going to ask you how many of your friends in the Marines were freaking divorced or getting ready to be divorced? Oh, geez. Uh, Quite a bit. <laughs> well, and when and when you were overseas, did you have any buddies that had a kid that was born while they were on deployment? Yeah, yeah, there were some. Um, not, not not a lot. You know, obviously, you get those you get those post deployment babies. Oh yeah, um, yeah, of course. <laughs> those are the best but, ones. <laughs> but uh, not not a lot that I can really remember. Um, but uh, you know, obviously there was so, and I just couldn't imagine you know going through that, you know. Yeah, dude, I think that was like my biggest driving factor was coming home and then thinking about all my buddies and like having my kids move around because you know everybody knows somebody like or friends with somebody who's like a military brat. And you're like, hey man, where are you from? And like, like I said, we were knocking on Missouri a little bit, but I, when I was in Spain on deployment. My buddy really wanted a tattoo. He had no tattoos, and I have a bunch of tattoos. Like, like I have, I'm covered. My other buddy was covered, and then we had uh, our third friend, which he had none, and he was from Texas. He was super proud to be from Texas. He's like, "Well, I kind of, I kind of want to get a tattoo, guys." And we were like, Sh- "Hell yeah, man! Let's go get tattoos." You know, we're in Spain. Let's go do it. So uh, he's like, "I don't know what to get," and I was like, "Dude." get the outline of texas that'll be freaking cool man you're a big texan you know like just making a joke out of it and uh he kind of thought about it and he's like well hell i'll I'll do it if you get a tattoo in missouri and i was like well shit that's not the dumbest tattoo on my body i i have your welcome tattooed at my belt line like that's not the stupidest tattoo i have on my body there you go i'm not joking about that either i every like i got that when i was 18 and now every person i've ever met i had to explain it to like well of course it, i'm too cocky for thank you is what i used to say now that i'm old and have freaking eight-year-old daughters i have to keep my pants up but uh <laughs> but uh he got this uh tattoo of texas i don't even know how the hell we got into this story but uh yeah so we got tattoos of uh where we were from and we, I, we were talking about about a uh, state pride i don't right dude i don't how did we get there <laughs> uh, we're talking about you know people that, that get in the military you know about 
how do they make that decision to, to, to move back to Missouri, you know, after going out and seeing all the sights of the world and everything? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't freaking know. I said something about being proud to be a Missouri and how I had a tattoo of it. I don't remember what was before that. That's the problem with being a rambler and just doing this willy-nilly, dude, is you just forget. I don't even know the next words that are coming out of my mouth, you know? Like, <laughs> it's late. That's the fun part, though. It's just being improv on the fly, whatever, you know? Dude, it's for sure. I was talking to freaking uh, Raggio. Um, I can't remember if it was on one of these or if it was, like, uh, on a phone call after that. And he's like, not only are you having an engaging conversation and trying to listen to me or listen to the guest, you're trying to think of the next thing to talk about at the same time so that way you can keep the conversation moving. And I was like, dude, it is. Uh, Like, some of them are far more challenging than the others, but some of them are super easy. Oh, absolutely. Especially, you know, you get something that that we can relate to and everything else, you know? Oh, for sure, man. I mean, we've been going for 15 minutes and we haven't even talked about duck calls yet. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, uh, Callapalooza, brother. How was that? It was fun, man. You know, last year was the the first year that I've gone. Uh, And last year, you know, being there and watching... Uh, you know, sitting with with Josh and, and his trailer, and watching him make calls, and you know, watching all the the call maker build off, and talking to a bunch of different call makers and collectors and everything else. You know, that's kind of what sucked me in. I was like, oh man, you know, I've wanted to do this for a while, but I, I've, I've got to do it now. I've got to at least try, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. It's pretty sure. cool. Pretty cool going back this year. You know being my first year as a call maker and you know seeing everybody you know meeting all kinds of new folks and obviously talking to to a bunch of the call makers you know most of which i you know, i've had already met but you know just talking about you know calls on a different level or you know just you know not even talking about calls just talking about life and like um, you know that's kind of been the coolest thing is just meeting um meeting all kinds of different folks and talking, connecting with people on different levels. You know, not, it doesn't even have to be about blowing a duck call or, you know, taking an order or anything like that. Just, you know, meeting and, and talking all, to people that you never would have met on all kinds of different levels, you know? Yeah. Dude, I had so much fun while trying to wrangle my children, who happened to be the only kids there the couple hours that I was there, and they were just destroying everything. they were having a lot of fun oh my god dude they were having too much fun (laughs) we walked over to max and uh you know i i've been there a few times before that and we made it about 10 minutes and they're used to us going to bass pro you know because you're you've been here plenty of times bass pro is like a damn jungle gym up here but uh dude they're running through the store playing tag and hide and seek and I finally got all three of them, and I was like, nope, out, we're done, out. <laughs> and they're like, oh, why do we have to be done? I was like, you guys are treating this place like a freaking zoo. Let's go back over here where everybody, there's at least games, you know, set up. <laughs> Man, this, so this is the second year going, and both years I had meant to go over there to Max, and I've never stepped foot in that store. Really? Yeah. Dude, it's cool. Like, it's really neat. Because 
it's so focused, obviously, towards duck hunting. And that has been my biggest pet peeve slash knock. Like, I'm I'm super proud to have Bass Pro, you know, down here. It's kind of like a, I don't know, when you're, when you're, especially being in the military or something like that, where you live somewhere that's not at home, and people are like, where are you from? I'm like, Springfield. And they're like, oh, like the Simpsons, right? Or it was always the Simpsons, or it was, oh, Branson. I know where Branson's at. I'm like, Branson sucks. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> or everybody knew Bass Pro. Oh yeah, we've been in the Bass Pro there. So it was like kind of a a, a pride thing. But man, their waterfowl selection is hot garbage. Yeah. Which is so crazy because John Paul is Johnny Morris's son and he's a huge waterfowler. It, it's it it baffles me. There's like one row of freaking duck hunting stuff, but Max, man, is okay so think about the gun side of bass pro that lower uh-huh. level it's close to that size you know different shape not so much of a rectangle but more of like a square in that but it's all waterfowl crap any brand you could want they have let see i'm, I'm kind of you know obviously living up up here i'm a little bit spoiled because we've got rogers yeah, Rogers. Rogers is about the qu- closest equivalent. Man, Rogers might be better. I don't know. I'm a big fan of Rogers too. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go next year when I when I go to Calapalooza or if I wind up down there some other time. I'm gonna have to go into Max and check it out just so I can do a, a comparison between them and Rogers because obviously I miss Rogers quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's almost like um, it's the nostalgia part of going oh, to sure. max you know taking pictures in front of the freaking mallard right there like uh i don't it's the rite of passage like the kids my kids are they've grown up as me as a duck hunter so like you know we were doing the tv thing when they were three and four so it's like always been a thing their earliest memories are like very very waterfowl and i started turning calls my oldest was born in 13 and youngest was in 14 and i started in 15 so they've always known freaking duck calls so they so they're like where are we going dad they kept asking me my oldest uh what okay so we're going to stuck stuttgart stuck and i was like baby it's stuck art and they're like okay okay and they're like and it's the duck hunting capital of the world and i was like yes baby that's that's where we're going so like when we got there, we didn't actually even go into the city or Main Street or anything like that. And I've been down there, obviously, for the calling competition. But uh, we just went to uh, R&T and Max. And they were like, this is it? And I was like, babe, I'll bring you back down here in December or November. And you can see the insane amount of birds down here. Like, it's yeah. it's just crazy. Have you ever been down there? In, like, no. Call is the only time I've been down there. Holy crap, dude. Okay, so the first time we ever went down was at Worlds, which is Thanksgiving weekend. The amount of specks was on and, and snows. We didn't see a bunch of ducks because we were down there in the middle of the day, you know, traveling. But the amount of, like, all those fields right there where you turn right to go to Max off the highway. Right. So if you stay on that highway instead of turning right, but you're coming back towards uh, Little Rock, whatever way that you're coming in, dude, mm-hmm. every field has 10,000 specks in it. 
Oh, like insanity. It, the only thing it reminds me of that I've personally been to, which I'm sure there's thousands of places like this in the United States, but was uh, Wichita. Wichita, not with specs, but with lessers. Yeah. Bro, the first time I ever went there was like 2014 for waterfowl. And whole, I, uh, I asked my buddy how, because it seemed like every field inside of Wichita had uh you know the same thing 10,000 15,000 4,000 in this field I was like how many do you guys like you know keep hold during the season and they're like uh around 500,000 to 800,000 you know Canada geese in the peak of season are just in the city of Wichita which is a super weird city with their uh I don't have you ever been there yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you know how they have, like, fields in the middle of the city that are, like, ag fields? Right. You can hunt those. Really? Yes. As long uh, as your family has been continuously hunting, even though the city got built around farmland, you can hunt that. So we went and hunted one time with, like, a 20-story building on the left side of the field and, like, a bank in front of the be- in front of the field. It's like a little 80 acre field and we're hunting it i was like this is the this is the weirdest thing ever that's wild dude it was very very strange but uh it it's just a really unique city and i haven't traveled to enough small towns like to know if that's like a a a small like a weird thing but out of all the places i've been in missouri and i've been a lot it's the most unique i've ever seen yeah, sounds like it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you went down to uh, Colapalooza this year. How many days were you down there? The whole thing? Uh, I left, oh, geez, early, early on Thursday. Because um, I drove straight through. I think I left around, like, midnight or so, maybe around 1 on uh I think it was around 1 a.m. on Thursday and drove straight through um, to get there in time for their doing a check ring class. Um, I think I had to be there at like 9 or something like that. So I, I left at like 1 just to make sure I was there in time to be there in the class. There's no 7, 7 half hour drive uh, for me from, from up here. Um, so Thursday through Sunday morning, Bro, that it's such a long drive. I uh, I forgot how far it was. You know, honestly, it wasn't too bad though. You know, I think that the longest part, or you know, what seemed like the longest part, honestly, on the Missouri side, you know, getting down to, to around the Joplin area or so, or so, you know, before you know, kind of switch it up, get off seventy one or forty nine or whatever. And, kind of make a couple transitions before getting uh, getting into Arkansas. But then once you get in the, on the Arkansas, you know, you've got so many hills and so many trees and everything else. Like, it's, you know, seemed like it was a little more, uh, and granted, it was super early in the morning on the way there, but <laughs> like it, it seemed like it was, you know, a lot more to look at. It wasn't quite as boring, you know, once, once they got on the, on the Arkansas side. Well, 
And see, you're coming from, uh, you're going straight south of Joplin. Dude, all right. 65 all the way down to Little Rock. It, I, I told you when we were down, like when I was down there, it is the most beautiful, roughest drive. Like two lane, 45 mile an hour, 50 mile an hour, small city every, or small town of like eight people, like every. 10 miles so it's like speed traps and it's up and down the mountains and it's like this is beautiful to look at and I love the drive down there but man it is rough Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't be so bad if I didn't go back like two and a half hours later yeah yeah that's, that's pretty rough when we got like a two and a half hour turnaround yeah oh my god well that was the thing freaking she came to me like after we left max and it was so hot we had kids we had the dang dog with us and she was like yeah i'm done like uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and head back and uh jessica my girlfriend she was sick and she was like i I, yeah i i've she trooped it out but she's like i'm done and i was like okay i stayed for like another 30 minutes (laughs) and i was like all right well i got the kids they're being crazy we gotta go but next year, man, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely doing the weekend. Heck yeah, man! Uh, it, it's, it's so awesome, so fun too. You know, just hanging out with all kinds of different people. You know, people that you talk to online or whatever. Made out I've never ever met in person. Like I don't know how many, how many people I talk to regularly online that I've never met in person. Dude, or what? Or even guys like like Chris Alexander. You know, I bought my first ever custom duck call from him. Um, and, you know, so I've, I've talked to him a, a fair amount, you know, over the years and <clears throat> finally got to meet him in person and meet Cap and meet all kinds of other folks. And it, it was just so cool being able to meet everybody. Yeah. And it, it that was like one of the best parts. And my favorite was going up and introducing yourself and uh-huh. people have no idea who you are until you say your name. Yeah, they're like, oh, I know you. Yeah, we all do, because uh, everybody has a picture of their call or some kind of duck hunting photo or something like that on Facebook. Or, right. Like, I went up to Ron Davis, and I recognized Ron. Or, no, I didn't recognize him at first. I saw his uh, banner on the table. And luckily, you were right in front. So I was like, oh, what's going on, man? But uh, <laughs> I went up to Ron because I was just walking around. And... Uh, I was like, hey, man, what's going on? He's like, how can I help you, sir? And me and Ron talk a lot. And uh, I was like, Chris Adams, man. And he was like, oh, my God, Chris Adams. And it was like as soon as the light switch flipped, it was it was really funny. <laughs> it is. It is. It is so funny. It's, when you finally make that, that relation, you know, that you're like, oh, shoot, okay, I know who you are. <laughs> freaking Colton. I, uh, he was at Josh's table when I got there and he's like you're the only person I've ever met that sounds exactly the same on the phone and I was like I don't know what that's supposed to mean bro <laughs> but, it's true though you sound exactly the same in person so. <laughs> see I think you sound the same I think Josh sounds the same I, yeah no I'd agree yeah I'd agree. It, but like I said, it's so weird putting faces to names. Well, and then uh, Landon came up with Joey. I didn't even know he was there until I got on Facebook later on that night and saw a post. Joey was like, oh, yeah, I came up with Landon. And 
first name doesn't register to me. You know, I'm used to seeing people's call shapes, pictures, stuff like that. And then I got there and I was like, dude, I didn't even know you were there. I was like, I totally nodded my head and said, hey, how's it going? But didn't know who you were. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't even talk to you. Or, you know, like, and that was the bad thing about being there for two hours is I didn't have enough time to sit down with guys and just, you right. know, just BS with them. It was like, I don't know if you saw me. I literally had kids like hanging from my arms extended yeah you're flipping them <laughs> yes i was like what I, I was trying to have a conversation and then colton and travis they were just straight tearing up their table uh-huh i felt bad for them <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh well man wh- okay so what month did you start turning in uh so i think i turned my first call in April I want to say because it was literally like 30 days before uh, the call nuts classic or whatever the, the call call nuts build off yeah so that was I'll say it was around April that's awesome Oh, so you're over a year now yeah yeah just over a year <clears throat> yeah you- it's I was gonna say, like, tell me, tell me about the first year because there's a lot, a lot of learning and trial. Oh gosh, yeah, no, there's that first year was kind of crazy, you know. You know, of course, yeah. Like I say, after after I went to Calapalooza, you know, I was like, I was hooked. I really wanted to get get rolling on it, and you know, I'm one of those people that <clears throat> put my mind to something like that. There's nothing that's really going to stop me from it. Like, I, I was like, all right. So I, I think it was like the week after I went and started buying up all the tools. And I, I started trying to make ends first because I wanted to, uh, you know, experience, you know, turning some stuff, trying to, you know, sanding and doing all kinds of other things before I ever tried turning something that even resembled a call. Um, and so then once I started to learn a little bit doing doing that stuff for, for a couple of weeks for a month or so, I started trying to turn my first call. And I think I tried a public jig like once and it turned out like hot garbage. So I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to eat a flat jig then. And so I used a flat jig and started, you know, trying to do my own shit. Somehow or another, like on the first first attempt I even did they wound up making something that sounded a little bit like a duck and it didn't didn't honestly take me very long at all to be able to start making making some calls that, that you know at least sounded a little bit okay sound a little bit ducky um but you know within that that first 30 days I was able to learn pretty quick and you know I, I I'm a really fast learner when it comes to going through to, to do stuff that I'm well, especially stuff that I'm actually interested in anyway. But, <laughs> um, but I'm really fast to learn. I pick things up pretty quickly, and so I was able to going through and, and doing it. You know, spending hours uh, out in the shop every night, um, pretty much every day for months. You know, going through to figure out how to do it and trying to figure out how to do all the different finishes and everything else and talking to a bunch of folks you know obviously I couldn't figure it all all out on my own you watch a bunch of videos 
um, using the the CHO um, forums and talking to call maker, learning how to do stuff. You know, I've, I've gone through a lot. You know, I tried a, demo, a bunch of different materials in this first year. Um, trying to trying out different shapes, kind of getting to the point where I'm, uh, I did that checkering class when I went down to Palapalooza. So I'm starting to get into doing some checkering and playing different sounds and stuff like that too, so I can come up with some different tone boards and you know as much as much as there is to learn as much as you feel like you can get accomplished within that first year there's still so much more to learn like it's crazy like how much there is to do to pick up on and get better on you know oh yeah man it's uh you know it's have you i know it was the way that i when i first started do you feel like it's an obsession when you first started oh absolutely it's where you're just bugging that feel like you're just bugging the crap out of everything i'm sure i was i'm sure i still am <laughs> <laughs> well and that's the thing man you'd be, crap out of everybody. like everything's about duck calls you know <laughs> yeah and you'd be you know i the way i was man i'd be driving to work and like thinking of different stuff like sitting on the clock at work you know you're supposed to be doing something and like daydreaming about oh man different combinations or it's so important i gotta get my shape down now that i got my sound down and you know like just all these little things it becomes an obsession it really does you know and i think that's that's honestly for anybody that that winds up you know, not saying that, that I'm successful at it, but I think it's key for anybody who's very successful at it. it you really kind of having a passion for it and, you know, trying different things and, and always think of, you know, ways to do things differently and, and everything else. I, I think you've got to have that sort of drive. Well, and man, you're one of these, uh, you're one of these 2020, 2019 freaking call makers that, Dude, you guys are so far ahead in your first year from what the guys that I started around. Um, Michael Meredith started three or four months ahead of me that I can remember. Will started a couple months ahead of me. Um, Tyler Hall started about six months ahead of me. And I go back and I look at some of their stuff right when they first started. Dude, you, Cody Law freaking um brad eldridge guys like that that you guys all started similar time wise you guys are so far ahead of what we were doing just five six years ago i mean i think because of the fact that we've got you know y'all that started i mean even even just a few years before you know up to you know, basically anybody that that's been turning, you know, for the last ten years or so, you know, that that has a little bit more of like the modern styles and everything. You know, we've got so many people to to, to look up to, to look at all their designs and, and um, not necessarily copy them, but you know, use them as as you know inspiration to go through to uh, you know work on creating something of our own. You know, and and that using. All of those styles, using all all of your guys, um, beautiful stuff that y'all come up with, and using that for inspiration, but also using you guys as a resource. And, and everybody's, you know, I don't I don't think there's been a maker that I've talked to that you know hasn't been open to sharing information on, on how to go through 
to, to, you know, how they do things and how to potentially, you know, do whatever it is doing better, you know. Oh, yeah. So and it's easy, I think, to, I don't want to make it sound like it's easy to make calls or anything like that, but it's easier, I think, to go through if you've got the drive to do it when you've got, you know, resources and we've got people that are willing to help with it too, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it's, you can tell when the guys put in the hours, um, you know, when guys put in that hard work, like you said, with the flat jig, when guys go out there and they're doing something and they're trying different stuff, I don't know. I just, you, it, maybe it's a false sense, you know, of the internet or whatever. Obviously not you. I know you, but, uh, you can tell when guy. I don't know. I said obviously not you. I know when you're putting in work. If that makes sense, yeah. Like, it feels like I don't know. There's probably twenty, thirty call makers that start every year, and then you kind of hang out, and you have maybe ten that stay in our little, you know, niche of the social media world. I guess which is the new version of the internet. But uh, in the call nuts, you know, the call lounge, all that type of stuff, and then it seems like two or three years later you have like five that you know remain from each year and keep moving forward and those are the guys that put in the hours put in the work and i'm sure there's there's hundreds of call makers that have nothing to do with social media and nobody will ever know about them except the guys that live around them but you can tell when people put in that hard work and uh i always you know have said throughout call making man i will i will answer any question that anybody ever has to the best of my knowledge you know like if somebody has a finish question a a gluing together question you know this question like i'll always answer because of guys that came before me like you know brad and mike stelsner was the first person i've said it on podcast a year ago that i posted my picture of my first call that looked like hammered dog shit <laughs> right. terrible and it sounded even worse you know just god awful and Mike Stelzer was the first one to reach out and was like hey man yeah that's awesome I'm glad you got into it and it's like now you see that post all the time from other call makers and you know I'll try to do it if I see somebody's and uh, it's like stick with it man you know keep working because it's just like this podcast you know, uh, Riley, um, man, started his podcast a while back, and he's had some guys on there that I've had, and uh, he hit me up. He was like, hey, man, I'm going to have this guy on the podcast, and I was like, awesome, dude. I can't wait to listen to it. You know, like, the more, the better. Like, it, it just builds the culture, builds the brotherhood of call makers and, uh, you know, waterfowlers, and it's it's just that continuation of what you're talking about. People willing to help, people willing to get better, um, guys pushing each other. Because I think that was a thing, you know. I know it was a thing from old school call makers that I've talked to off the air about we didn't want to share anything, you know. Right. Where now it seems like everybody's an open book. Yeah, I mean, of course. You know, I think there's still kind of this you know, unspoken, you know, almost kind of golden rule that I'll help you with just about anything, but I'm not going to create your dome board for you. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Um, uh, 
Outside of that, like, and I'll help you with, with, with ways to go through to improve it if you're having issues with it, like if it's sticking or, or you know, if it's too tight or whatever. I'll help you with ways to go through and improve them. I'm not going to hand you the keys to the kingdom. You've got to put in the work. But yeah. I'll, help you, I'll help you improve it. You know, I'll help you give, you give you tips on how to finish it and do everything else, you know. But absolutely, I don't, like I said, I don't think I've met anybody that that's really turned down any information. Everybody's super helpful. Well, and see, that's another thing that I've talked to. Um, well, I think Channing, maybe offline, um, because when he first started a couple of years ago, he was catching all sorts of hell. And uh, other people have caught all sorts of hell about just different things with call making. And it happened today in a much less hell version of somebody posting a shipwreck, Andrew Haddon-style call, and everybody was quick to be like hey man you should uh you should talk to this guy because that's kind of his style and andrew got on there as classy as he could be he was like hey it's cool you know i talked to the guy no worries right and that brings me back to when i first started people were like dude your shape looks like uh john kepps your shape looks too close to john kepps I messaged John. I was like, hey, man, I don't know if you've heard anything about this. I know you don't know me from Adam. I'm just some, you know, small dick call maker out of, you know, Missouri. Or, you know, he's from Missouri, too. But out of Springfield, turning my five calls that I've done so far. And he was like, no worries, man. I'm not worried about it at all. If you have any questions, you know, let me know. (laughs) And I was like, really? Dude, you sell calls in freaking Bass Pro. Like, really? I think everybody's kind of under the understanding that, you know, people have been making calls for a long time, and there's only so much originality that, that somebody can have, you know, unless you're doing something like like Cody's uh, Canon calls or something like that that is just pops up and everybody's like, oh, that would have to do that, you know? But outside of that, I mean, there's only so much originality that a guy can have, you know, you can go through to come up with a bunch of different combinations that you know, nobody's seen, you know, different materials or carvings you know, or other things. When it comes to the, the shape, there's only, only so many shapes that you can do that are actually comfortable to hold and that you can actually work, you know, and do repetitive, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, your shape looks like this person's. I'm like, well, it has a reed and a cork, too. So, yeah, you should probably <laughs> hey. kill me over hey. it. And it's like, uh, you know, you brought up uh, Cody's, his cannon call. And then you have, um, Jesus, it's going to kill me, the lighthouse call. Dude. Uh, oh, David Knock, yeah. David Knock. Well, his work is ridiculous. But no, then you have, you have that. Then you have Andrew's shipwreck call. I kind of right. feel like people are out there looking, f- trying to figure out how they can do their own thing. Right. Yeah, it's all it's all about trying to find your own niche, and you know, which is kind of hard to do sometimes, you know. But it's all about trying to find a niche, and and well, if you're looking to do that anyway, if, if you know, some guys are perfectly content with just making calls for you know, making them you know, twenty calls, thirty calls a year, something like that, for friends and family, or if anybody want, wants one, you know don't really want to want a lot out of it other than just turning a couple calls a year yeah but for anybody that, that's looking for any kind of originality you know it, 
got to go a little bit outside the box in order to find it, but obviously guys do. Yeah, it uh, it's it's funny to see that type of stuff. I remember, um, I don't know, it was probably a month before I got into call making. We were at a outdoor expo at the Springfield Fairgrounds. Remember when those were still the thing? Like, uh, yeah. yeah, we had an outdoor expo for the fairgrounds, and we were um, promoting our TV show. It was the last year we did our TV show, and Alan Whitson was there, and I had never met him. He, I had seen a few of his calls. It was like right before or right after Call Nuts had became a thing. So, you know, nobody really knew anybody that wasn't forum involved. And uh, I went over and, you know, talked to him at his booth a little bit and chatted with him. And I was like, oh, man, these are freaking awesome. Obviously, Alan does insane work. And uh, he pulled out his little uh, his little travel display case. And he had his NWTF calls that were like a specialty and one was a freaking bobber, and it was a functional duck call. And one was a fishing, uh, like a crankbait. Forgive me, I'm not a Alan. If you're listening, I'm not a fisherman. I don't, I don't have the patience for it. Obviously, if you guys are listening to this, I'm too ADD to remember how we started a conversation, let alone to fish. But uh, yeah, he pulled these things out, and I was like, you can make stuff like this, like I. You know, everybody had just seen the basic off-the-shelf calls that, you know, insert big-name company here. And I was like, dude, this is insane. How did you come up with this? And uh, it, it was pretty wild, man. It was that first taste I had ever seen of somebody doing something that was so off the wall. And then it, uh, you know, now it's like... Every single day I jump on Call Nuts or the Call Lounge, whichever group you want to look at, you see something that just blows your mind. Yeah, I mean, there's it's crazy how many talented how many talented guys are out there doing, you know, God knows what, and you know, <clears throat> it, it, even if it's just uh, a simple <laughs> a simple shaped call that doesn't you know it doesn't have a ton of crazy stuff to it there's so many combinations of stuff that you can do and just how to finish it and everything else and you know so many guys are so good at doing it it's just nuts um yeah every day i think that that i get on i see something that i'm like wow man, that's just beautiful and you know I'm, i think i count myself fortunate you know to to be on call nuts and you know, or be on you know other pages also where you know guys are you know uh share all their stuff that they're that they're working on and you know before i joined those pages and stuff like that you know all i do uh you know high production run stuff you know that you see in the stores and stuff that and there's a lot of folks that that's still all they all they know about calls and stuff or goose calls you know or other game calls that's all they know you know they don't really you know know what's out there as far as you know some some of the custom call makers like all, from the creative stuff they're do, that they're doing let alone you know their, their normal calls they're just absolutely gorgeous you know yeah yeah man it uh before i started turning I, you know, had a bunch of off-the-shelf calls, and then I, uh, I found Bobby Hayes up at, uh, you know, up around you, and I start, I joined his pages and stuff like that, and I was like, dude, I really like his stuff, 
And I was like, these are cool. And I, I bought like 10 calls from him and, uh, you know, just had a crazy collection going. And this was back when he uh, was doing Tuesday night call picks or something like that, where he was taking pictures of everything that he had built for the week and uh, posting them on uh, his page and then sharing them on the call nuts. It was like a thing. And, uh, dude, just everybody was just, he was just posting insane stuff. And I was like, dude, I, I already have 10 calls I bought in the last year and a half. Like, I'm starting to get the stink eye because I'm spending too much money. It's like that type of thing. And, uh, I was like, you know what? I can't keep for afford to, and you know, I had a wish list of a hundred calls deep from different guys that I wanted to buy from. And I was like, you know, all these awesome calls, I bet I could make these things. I was like, I bet it would be cheaper for me to make them than to keep buying them from other people. You know, ha ha ha, joke's on me. It's a black <laughs> hole of just throwing money and lighting it on fire for a few years. Right. Yeah, you get that idea in mind, like, I'm going to make calls, maybe save some money. <laughs> <laughs> so, I took my whole collection and I sold that, and I bought my first lathe used, and a freaking four-jaw chuck that wasn't, like, self-centering like an old grizzly chuck and Hell yeah. holy and I'd never turned anything in my life and I got out there and had some old dull to, tools that came with and they were the uh, the HSS tools and right. they were dull as shit uh. <laughs> and I started turning and it freaking caught and like shot out the first time <laughs> and uh, you know most normal people that aren't you know have something wrong in their brain would be like this is really dangerous you should be careful i was like this is freaking awesome uh-huh. <laughs> you know <laughs> i just i feel like we're a weird group of people yeah i mean it, we're definitely definitely a different a different bunch that's for sure you know i think it takes a special person to get out there and say you know what i'm gonna take this piece of wood i'm gonna make a duck call out of it screw up a bunch in the process and burn up a bunch of time and money and resources to go through to do it and turn around and sell it and most of the time not for a ton of profit either no no that's for damn sure and keep at it but you know it's because of i think it's because of the the network because of the community and and you know I think that that's the one of the largest drugs. You know, obviously going out and, and shooting ducks is a pretty pretty big incentive, also. But you know, there's that just that draw there, that community of you know not just the call makers but the collectors and and everybody together. You know, <clears throat> I think that community side. I think that would keep a lot of people in it. You know, yeah. I, I've never been to Real Foot, but. You know, the only shows that I've been to are, you know, the Rogers Waterfowl Weekend, which you know, isn't really a, a, a call show necessarily or anything like that, but I've met some call makers out there and uh, going to Call of Palooza, and, and I, I can imagine, you know, I've heard all the stories about Real Foot and everything, you know, the, the years, you know, that everybody's been collecting there, and, and it seems like that's, some of that has transferred to being online, being uh, calling up, you know, being on some of the other forums, and so it's kind of 
went from that in person to being online. I think that's what keeps everybody in it, you know. Yeah, and you know, you're you're mentioning the real foot and the call palooza. Man, it's call making as far as the hunting quote unquote industry waterfowl quote unquote industry i hate that term because people say what do you do i'm in the hunting industry oh you mean you take pictures on instagram cool bro i mean if you can get paid for it that's awesome like uh you know i've had professional photographers that you know work for big companies on the podcast i'm not knocking that at all but people that are pro staffs for 25 different companies that type of crap but um it's call making is the only industry or brotherhood whatever craft that you don't see the you know pissing matches i'm sure in some areas there are but you just don't see the fights the pissing matches the people getting you know mad at each other all that type of crap everywhere it's going to happen you put people together but man the tv show world the reason i got out of the tv show aside from it wasn't profitable was we would go to these expo shows and you know do you know our area code down here uh yeah the the 417 yeah 417 so our show was 417 waterfowl which haha yeah real original um there was a 417 bow hunting show that was on during the summertime and we were on during the wintertime or one of the two flip-flop i don't care um but obviously people assume that we're the same show different cast members different everything but same show well and then in springfield there was like nine hunting shows tv shows and it was the uh saturday night hunting block and there'd be like six straight hours of freaking hunting tv on saturday nights on the local tv uh station well we would go to these freaking expos man and i'm Hopefully I don't get sued for talking about stupid crap. I've, believe it or not, had lawsuits threatened on me for talking about the show. But uh, <laughs> we uh, we would go to these stupid expos, and the 417 Bowhunter guys would come over and be like, Hey, why are you talking to this other show? I'm like, because they're cool? Like, why, why would I not talk to them? Oh, we don't hate it. We hate those guys. Those guys suck. You shouldn't talk to those guys. And I was like okay well i don't give a shit like why why does that matter to me well we have the same name dude we're like affiliated we you you shouldn't do that and i was like i am not a child man like what not a child man child comma man Um, (laughs) but uh you know it's like it's drama dude it's drama and then you know you would just different stuff like that that you just see drama throughout like if you log on to some of the the competition calling pages man you see and a lot of it's gotten a lot better but back when we were live streaming it you'd see just drama and some of it i accidentally created i i've talked to those guys and apologized and but uh you know covering things everybody hates the media but uh you know you just see drama and i have yet to really see it in the call making world so it's such a relief if that makes any sense yeah there, there's definitely there's not a lot you know there, there's been a little bit here and there but when it comes to like all the gatherings and stuff like that you don't you don't see that there you know you see a little bit online well as long as you don't make a cigar call i think everything's cool 
<laughs> or yeah, the, uh, <laughs> other other certain shapes. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There, there's certain things that, that you don't <laughs> you don't touch or you don't talk about that will bring up drama in, in an instant. But for the most part, everybody's pretty cool about it. You know, even if. I mean, you've got all the talk about all the feathering and stuff like that. People going, oh, we don't want you copying Brad or something like that, which, you know, like like Brad has said from, you know, from minute one, like he'll never argue over a duck call. Well, yeah, or, he literally teaches dudes how to do the feathered band. Exactly, he teaches people how to do it. You know, and so you, you got stuff like that that, you know, I don't think everybody's really arguing over, you know, feathering or arguing over, you know, having baits or anything like that. I think people are just cognizant of it and they just want to make sure that people are legitimately trying to copy somebody else's shape or something like that so that way they can you know as if they're going to copy the sound also now that would be one thing else you know that if you're going to copy somebody else's tone board that would be different but it's also nearly impossible to actually prove if somebody does that yeah um, see and that's one thing you being a call maker that call makers know that good luck yeah Good, good luck doing that. Like I've Most talked, to, I've talked to Scott. Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Somebody else's. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll say most of the time it's hard to just replicate your own tone board, or at least without a jig, anyway. You know, let alone trying to copy somebody else's. <laughs> well, yeah, man. I talked to uh, Scott a lot, and it might have been in our podcast where people, you know, accused him of copying tone boards and stuff like that. They said that he copied multiple tone boards which right now I'm crossing my eyes because like what do you mean he copied multiple tone boards like do you understand that that's not a thing right (laughs) (laughs) what do you he he chopped them up glued them together in the perfect angle like that (laughs) yeah It, it, it doesn't even value the time to try to decipher what that even means because that's so ridiculous but uh you know it's people don't get upset about that and like you said brad teaches that i i have a feathered one that's that i did and it's on my mantle i'm not gonna do any feathered ones but he posted a video showing how to do it and i was like i gotta try it you know why not And it's on a, a, a piece of crap scrap barrel, but it just happened to have a barrel or a, a band that was intact. And I was like, here we go. Right. I mean, it, to me, I, I think if you can do it as well as Brad, then, you know, heads off to you because, you know, not only is Brad great at doing it, but he can knock it out in like a minute flat. <laughs> Dude, I talked to him about that. And he said, uh, I was like, Dude, don't your hands like hurt? from doing that because that's the thing with freaking brad man he is so busy these days and he has really dug himself into a hole with those feathered freaking calls that Uh it's like even his acrylics it's like yeah but i want it with a feathered band i'm like oh dude there is no relief yeah or the full feathered insert or you know whatever you know there's there's just lots and lots of it and I, i I can only imagine, like, if that were me, I, I would think I'd be all knuckled. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how long it took me to get my first Brad Samples call? <laughs> he's, he's a busy man, that's for no, sure. No, 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 If you had to guess, what would you think it was? Oh, 
to get your first? Probably. Yeah. That um, he built. That he built. I don't know. How long ago was that? 2017. Hmm. Let's see. I think 2017, that might have been before he really blew up. Yeah. Two weeks. And this was before I did podcasts, before I did any... So it's not like I got any special treatment. Not that I would get any special treatment from anybody, but it's not like, you know, I was just some random Joe Schmo, small-time call maker out of my garage. And I was like, hey, man, I really want one of your calls. They're awesome. You know, let me... Can I get on your waiting list? And he was like, yeah. Hit me up like a week later. He's like, all right, man, what do you want? It was there like a week later. And it was fully feathered, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I had talked with you know other call makers I, me and michael talk a lot back in the day and we still talk pretty often but uh we were talking about different call makers and prices and how guys values are just you know all of a sudden it seems like in a year somebody's value will just blow up and i was like dude just wait until the brad samples train catches on board because i paid 150 dollars for a full feathered out call and i was like just wait because they're going to resell for freaking 500 bucks. Uh, <coughs> no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy, man. It And it's, uh, you know, it, you just, you can never predict. It's always fun. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of mindset. You'll talk to, to different people that they never, they never hit that. They never, uh, they never catch the the hot call maker of the year type thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And they're like, I don't understand why this call, this guy's call, is selling for crazy money. I'm like, dude, it's better for all of us. It's better yeah, for it, all of us for him to be doing good. Yeah, it really is. And you know, I talked to uh, quite a few people about that kind of thing. You know, like there is. There's uh, an older gentleman that, or a couple older gentlemen that were sitting over by me, you know, at, during call blues and kind of talking about some of that because, um, you know, some of them uh, were selling some of their calls or some other calls, you know, they're, they're selling them for, you know, what, what should be you know, worth quite a bit. And there's like, some pretty well-priced calls when they're talking about comparing to other call makers about them being more or whatever. And like, well, we just don't understand, you know, why some call makers, you know, demand or, or get for that matter, you know, a, a higher price for their calls and stuff. And it's like, well, I mean, realistically, it, you know, it, it, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, momentum has to do with, you know, a lot of other factors, not just the call itself, but, Realistically, so long as you know everybody's doing well, then they, you know I think you should be happy for each other. Really, yeah, yeah, dude. The custom market. There's some guys that are selling for just crazy money, but then the value of calls has in the last six years. I can't speak for you know 15 years, 20 years. I'm I haven't been doing it that long, but the value of custom calls has jumped so much in freaking five to six years. And it's because guys are getting what they deserve, you know, like the guys that are, are putting into it. I talked with uh, with Josh about it, and he said that he took a lot of heat for pricing his calls what, you know, the quote-unquote standard status quo of everybody else, you know, said, oh, this is too high. And he's like, well, I'm charging what my time is worth, you know, like 
this is what it it's it costs me to make it and he's like if you don't want to pay it like that's cool i'll sit on it and uh it'll just hang out with me until somebody wants to buy it right so it's uh it's that mindset go ahead that and charge more for it and and people are happy to pay it and you've got other guys that um you know are are might be scared to charge that much for them or you know they don't feel like they should ask that much for them and so they don't and so obviously you know that they don't go for that much usually those a lot of those guys their stuff goes for a lot more secondary because people are willing to pay those amounts for the meal secondary. Yeah. But yeah, I get I get both arguments from, from both sides, you know, from the guys that ask for a lot more and the guys that, that are you know, that don't want to ask that much for, for yeah. uh, I think anybody that, that makes calls, you know, I think they they, they kinda of ride the fence a lot and consider both both sides of, of that, you know, before they determine, you know, what exactly they're gonna ask for their stuff, you know. Yeah, it's a it's a weird, weird subject to where I'm always the person that I'm like I feel like I'm asking way too much. Like I've I've had people hit me up and be like, Hey, I wanna I want you to build this specific call for me and I'm like, Okay. They're like, how much is it gonna be? And I'll like give them a ballpark number and in the message I'll be like, How does that sound to you? And they're like, Dude, you just tell me the price. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna pay are you asking me how much I'm supposed to pay? And I'm like I, I, I don't want to overshoot, you know, I've, <laughs> but, uh, I'm off- exactly. hey, I am. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, you know, you don't want to feel like a, a jerk asking because prices of calls are going up. Material is ungodly expensive right now. It is tripled when I first started, man, you could get a black ash burl primo blank for like 30 bucks bucks six years ago now you're looking at 70 80 bucks yeah and a lot of stuff's gone, gone pretty crazy yeah and it's it's just crazy so like i'm i do both i'll do uh some custom builds you know here and there if i feel like doing it and then i'll throw some up on the auction man and yeah. i'll uh i'll have people hit me up and they're like hey what would you build this one for me and it doesn't happen very often that people are like well you're you 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 want to charge this much for a custom call, but you just sold this on auction a couple of days ago. I'm like, well, yeah, you're wanting a custom call. Like, if you just want one that I build and throw up for funsies and let everybody have free-for-all, then play that game. But if you want one that's made for you with materials that you want that I'm going to have to track down the blank and build it for you, I'm going to put you at the top of the list, you know, instead I'm not going to do anything else. I'm like, it costs a little bit more. But it, it's it's the nature of the beast but if you just want a duck call like play the auction game you might steal one a lot cheaper you might pay more who knows oh yeah man i've seen some of your stuff go for auctions for just crazy cheap that you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just man that is nuts that you know people were, were, were willing to pay a lot more for that well i've seen some of them go crazy cheap and then i'll post one that's the same exact material like obviously a different form of it or something like that like a month later and it'll sell for twice as much and i'm like yeah i i, I don't understand well, this it, yeah i gotta figure that the, the, it kind of evens out where you know it's, it's not too bad but well yeah and the thing i look at it with because channing freaking rips my ass about it all the time uh, <laughs> about doing that crap and i'm like man it buys me more material 
it like it keeps me active it keeps me doing stuff i'm not trying to do this thing full-time like you are like i'm just trying to stay active when it comes to that stuff (laughs) do what He's really good about being blatantly honest when it comes to that stuff. Oh, yeah. Freaking old Korea, man. <laughs> but, it, yeah, it's... And I'm kind of the same way. Like, I, There's some calls that I'll make, and I'm like, man, that is just absolutely beautiful. Like, I wish I could keep it. I wish I could charge a lot more for this thing, because I honestly value it more than what I'm actually pricing it as. But most of the time, you know, I'll put a price out there. I'm like, well, how does this sound? You know, because I'm, I'm honestly, you know, I'm still only a year into it. You know, I'm not this, you know, really popular guy or, or anything like that. And so, I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I think they, I think they're really good sounding calls, and I think they look pretty good. So I'm like, well, I, I think they're okay. You know, being valued at this, and I've had guys, you know, going well. Man, you, you priced that pretty low. Like I, I would, I would ask a little more for that. I'm like, well, I mean, this is what the material costs. This is how long it took me to do it. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna know, price gouge you. Right, exactly. I'm not gonna do that. Like, I, in general, you know, I'm not asking for a, a lot of money for my time. You know, I should probably ask for more for my time, <laughs> but realistically like I mean, this isn't a you know this isn't a I, I kind of consider it as, as kind of like a second job just because I'm always out here working <laughs> on stuff. but it's not something that that I really rely on for subsistence or anything like that either so you know as far as I'm concerned if I do this in my spare time and you know I enjoy the creative outlet of it and you know it's nice to have the additional money to help pay bills or stuff and stuff and things like that but you know if I if I did it as a full time you know like Chan or, or like other guys you know I would obviously you know I think I'd value my time a lot more yeah, um, yeah it's it's up to the individual man of what's it uh, what's it worth to you and uh, what's your time worth to you right and some guys are, aren't worried about you know asking more for their time and you know most of the time they get that yeah, well, and that's another one, man. I've talked to, you know, some other, you know, different call makers about it, and they'll be upset about how, uh, you know, this person's call is selling for X amount of dollars. And I'm like, dude, you should be charging more. You have the value, you have a waiting list a year and a half long, and you're upset because this other person's make charge more for your calls. You should be, you should have been doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's like <laughs> I don't want to be the guy to tell you, but charge more for your calls. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, there's a couple of those guys. You know, there's there's the one I talk to pretty regularly that people you know say the same thing that, uh, and you know, <laughs> he, he considers it sometimes, but most of the time he just goes back to well, you know. I don't feel right, you know, asking that much money for them. It's like, well, I mean, you're only going to get so much that you're going to ask for. You know, you ask for more, and you'll get more. But I, have a, I have a feeling we're talking about the same guy. Could be. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> probably, probably so. <laughs> Pretty well-known call maker. Yeah. But, uh, 
know, we, we, we you know, I think everybody's kind of on, on a lot of people anyway are, are on that same page to where there, there's guys that are valued really high that don't ask a lot for their time that could really ask for a lot more. But ultimately, it just comes down to, you know, what each lawmaker values himself at. And you know, people are going to, are, are willing to spend that much money on it, and they're willing to spend it. Yeah. They are, you know, obviously, they're going to have a lot of extra calls on their way. Yeah, exactly, man. When when I, you know, started looking at prices and stuff like that, I always thought to myself, when I first started trying to price my calls after 2017, I said, if Brad Samples charges this for this call, how can I possibly ask more for this? And that was like where I set my standard at. And it's like yeah. slowly gone up as materials gone up, but margins are definitely less than when I started. But it's like, dude, it, you know, it's that mindset of what you're talking about. It's like, well, what's your time worth to you? But I, it, it's a, it's a weird, like you said, it was an on the fence thing of like, I don't feel right when I know other guys that are making really, really good stuff, world champion call makers that are doing it for not much more. And it's exactly. like, they need to be doing it for more, man. Exactly. They, I'm the same way. Like I kind of you know, follow that, that same sort of mindset to where I price mine based off of, you know, some of the guys that, that I look up to, like, there's no way in hell I'm going to ask for more money for this call than, you know, than this guy's getting for, for a lot of his calls. His calls are, you know, they're a lot of times they're, they're, they're better, you know, not saying, um, and they've had, they've built a lot of reputation and they, they've, they've been around it for, for a lot longer. They know what they're doing uh, a lot better than I do. And so there's no way in hell I can ask for more money than, than they do. Um, yeah, but then it's almost like a, a weird, funky line. Like, uh, I have some customers that, you know, buy quite a few calls. Like, I have some guys that have, you know, 10 to 15 calls, which to me, that's a lot of my calls and it's you know it's a real valuable customer and i just usually flat rate them i'm like dude you you buy so much this is what it costs you for a call i don't care what it's out of i just i keep selling it to you but then i'll i'll get a you know something that's an 80 dollar hondurian rosewood burl you know something that's just really really primo and i'll just tell them like dude i know i told you this is your price for a call but I, I can't lose money not not even counting time but I can't lose legit money doing this thing like I'm gonna have to charge you some more for this and all those guys are always good with it but you know like you said it's a it's a fine line of like if blank prices keep going up it's like dude we gotta adjust calls right absolutely like people thought I was crazy like I had a couple guys call me out for um, like the, the port I call that I make for uh, that I brought with me to call Palooza, I think I, I charged like one fifty for it, which in comparison to a lot of other Ford I call, that's cheap. And I'm like, well, you know that I happen to get a good deal on that one, um, and you know it didn't take me uh, a, a crazy amount of time to work on it or anything like that, so. You know, I think that's that's a pretty good value for 
for what I paid for the materials and for the amount of time that I spent on it. Like I, I personally don't care if all the other four day blanks are a lot more, or if the, all the other four day calls are more expensive. Like I'm not going to charge just based off of what everybody else is charging. I'm going off of you know what I pay for materials. Um, well, and that's uh you know. If you're looking at the value of your calls based off of what somebody else is doing, selling, like undercutting, then you're worried about the wrong thing. Exactly, yeah. Like, uh, you know, me pricing my call at $100 that somebody else is going to sell for 200 like, they're not, they might get on to me for shorting myself, but it's not going to affect their value, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, and absolutely, absolutely will. Yeah, so it's like... You know, they can jump on you if it's call makers jumping on you or, you know, collectors jumping on you. It's like they can do it as a friend, but as like a business thing, it's like, dude, that's your business. Yeah, no, it was absolutely as a, as a friend. You know, it wasn't, wasn't, a, wasn't a business deal, but they're like, man, you can get a lot more for that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And like, as soon as you said that, I was like, that's cheap, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's cheap. Fortnite is crazy expensive. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not cheap. Yeah, that was that was the cheapest blank that I had because every other blank that I've got cost almost as much. That whole call. <laughs> yeah, dude, they're freaking crazy and rare, and it, it. Some of them are just really, really ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. I've got I've got <clears throat> two two that are with bubbly Fordite in them. Uh, hybrids I got from Cliff, and I got one full one that I got from Seth, and uh, all all three of those are just going to be absolutely crazy. Yeah, you know, the, obviously they're expensive, but but for good reason. And those are just going to be some crazy calls. I can't get into those, bro. They make you pucker the whole time you're turning. Oh gosh, I mean even, even the, the the one that I did, um, it, it, it had a fair amount of Ford in it, but I'd say it's probably about half and half. Um, but even even turning that one, I really had some that chipped out a little bit. Luckily, it didn't chip out all that much. And as soon as I I heard and felt that chip out, I was like, "Oh God!" Yeah, you like <laughs> dump some CA on there. Uh huh. It's like, "Oh God!" You just said it, baby, crap out of it. Yeah, dude. It, it you're just waiting for you know chaos and catastrophe to happen. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Nathan, dude, you you hit the ground freaking running, man. You're a bad man on a call. You make you're making some sick stuff, dude. I've uh, it's been fun to watch you grow. It. I can't believe it's only been a year, man. Yeah, I, I told you. I, I don't. When I put my mind to something, I, I'm a really driven person, and I don't really stop. And uh, like I said, luckily there's been a lot of people that have given me a lot of pointers. And I've been willing to help out with some advice and everything else, and I've got a lot of, luckily, a lot of people that that support me. And um, obviously, couldn't do this without you know, people that were interested in what I'm doing too. So, um, you know, I definitely appreciate those folks, and definitely appreciate the camaraderie of you know the other call makers and everything. You know, that helps keep me in it, and I'm looking forward to seeing what else you know I can do. And I've got a lot of ideas. A lot of stuff on the burner, man. Where uh, where can people check out your stuff at? So uh, I've got my Facebook page, uh, Tally Custom Calls, um, or Instagram. 
was working on a, on a website, hadn't really kind of uh, stalled out on that one, but Facebook and Instagram is usually where I post all my stuff. Good, man. That's T-A-L-L-E-Y, right? That's correct. Good deal. So for people that are listening are like, I don't know how to spell that. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, buddy, I appreciate it. I know it's getting late. And, uh, dude, it's been fun. Absolutely, man. Yeah, we're going to have to get together to do some turning together. Well, I'm going to hit you up uh, here. and Well, I'm going to hit you up sooner than that. But, yeah, I got something in mind here in the next couple months. Sounds great, man. Cool, buddy. You have a good night, man. Uh, you also. All right, take care. Nathan Talley, ladies and gentlemen, out of uh, Lee Summit, which is just you know, a suburb of Kansas City, Missouri, in case you're wondering. If you're still here hanging out with us, um, check out Unstable Calls on Instagram or Facebook, whatever you want to do. If you want a paperweight of a duck call, that's for Mr. Ron Davis right there. And uh, hopefully you guys have a good weekend. See ya.